listeners, and welcome to Yeah Uh Huh with Lisa and Phil and our frequent flyer co-host Aaron. Boy, his arms must be tired. Hey, Aaron. Hello. And this week we have Rocco Paulo. He is a um, an author, a director, a filmmaker, a video maker, a musician. I do not know Rocco. Do you write your own music and lyrics? Um, most of the time, yes. I also collab um, a lot through the internet with uh, different artists. I have a new one that I'm going to be starting work on with, uh, you know, it's the thing the internet gives you access to is worldwide uh, collaboration. So, yeah. Now, with that, do you, um, I noticed in the Bishop that you were very good at the Italian. Do you speak Italian? Uh, yes, that's my background. Um, both my parents are from Italy. And uh, even though in the last, I don't know, few years, I haven't really spoken Italian because of COVID being um, a factor, because I was supposed to go to Italy in uh, 2020, mm-hmm. but I did go this year. To, my, my uncle and, uh, you know, is still there. So I get to spend a lot, you know, as much time as possible. If I go to Italy, usually every three years. Right. I'm I'm no, uh, you know, it's not like I'm familiar with Italy, but what part of the boot is that? Is it, I mean, which region of Italy? Italy? (laughs) Um, Well, my dad uh, was pretty much like the opposite side of uh, Rome. So that's the Abruzzi area. Uh, And uh, my mother is closer to Naples. So it's a small town, but um, basically about an hour out from, from Naples. And what brought them to America? Um, first they went to France, so they, um, they moved to France, had a few children there, and then they hopped on, I guess, a, a boat and made their way to, to Canada. Mm. And mostly because they were told, you know, they were sold on the, uh, on the dream saying that, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it's so much easier in Canada, so much easier. And then they realized that, you know, it wasn't so true, <laughs> but mm-hmm. no matter where you go, you got to work hard. Yeah. And, uh, they worked hard and, you know, they made a, made a home in, in Canada. Hmm. Oh, okay. So you're in Canada. Yeah. I kind of, I guess that's that, um, what is it? American, uh, uh yeah, yeah. The American I'm thinking bias, Ellis American. Island. I'm thinking, you know. Now, were you born here in Canada or were yeah, you? I was born in Canada. My brothers and sisters were born in France. And, uh, so I was the, uh, the last one and yeah, I was in Canada. Is there a, uh, are you in Quebec or the French speaking yeah. areas? Yeah, so so I speak English, French, Italian, and because of travel, Spanish. <laughs> wow. Nice, yeah. Now, did you find having a background in Italian, what with having it, I'm guessing, spoken at home to an extent, um, and French, did you find that it makes it easier? I, I understand that those languages have links that make it a little bit easier to go from one to the other, like from um, Italian to Spanish and French. Yeah, there's there's definitely similarities with the uh, the three languages. The Italian language, though, is probably um, a lot more difficult in the sense that's closer to Latin. Um, so while in French and in Spanish, for example, you take a word like like student um, in both of those languages, you put an e in front of it. Same thing with school. Anything that starts with an s, usually in the English language, would have an e in front of it. 
And in mm-hmm. Italian, it doesn't. It's pretty much almost like in the in the. Um, so that kind of makes it confusing between the, the Italian and Spanish. Is that you know I'm gonna have to say estudiante, and then I'd have to say studente in Italian. So it's basically just little small little differences like that. So you're constantly thinking before speaking. Mm-hmm. So you're like you're well poised to make one of your future projects an opera. I would think. <laughs> With this, with that type of <laughs> linguistic background, yeah. if, if you well, so choose, you, know, yeah. you know it's you know <clears throat> I'm not like 100 percent fluent in in all of them. So you know there are times, even with my family in Italy, like when I started writing a couple of songs in Italian, um, you know, years ago, they kind of you know laughed it off because it was very simplistic, you know, as far as the the lyrical content. Because mm-hmm. you know I'm not you know going to use the larger more complicated words i'm just trying to make it rhyme in italian and they're like you know things don't have to rhyme because in english it rhymes doesn't mean it has to rhyme in italian so yeah small little things like that so yeah my opera would probably um you know criticized by a, a lot of groups saying that you know the your choices of uh, of uh, text are, are are pretty uh pretty simple well, I'm just going to have to uh, argue with them and say that some of the best songs are simple. Yeah, I totally agree. That, that create a, a an ease of call and response. Yeah. To you know, because incorporating the audience engages the audience, and they're more likely to go home and want to hear more of your music if they feel engaged rather than just sitting there listening. Uh, that I've often said to other musicians, because one thing I don't really pay much attention to is when a fellow musician criticizes my music, because mm-hmm. the majority of, of the audience are not going to be, you know, paying attention to the stuff that they're they're putting emphasis yeah. on. And if we look at most of the number one songs uh, out there uh, throughout, you know, pop history, it's mm-hmm. all really, really simple, simple stuff simple songs right it's because like you said the audience themselves not it's not to say the audience is simple but it's just that if it's if it's something that you can easily hum and uh you know get stuck in your head the catchier it is usually it's because it's you know got a lullaby type effect on you right Mm -hmm. right well yeah and um you, you have to look at queen some of the songs that they wrote were specifically designed for call and response to engage the audience and to make the audience feel involved. And there yeah. were musicians who made fun of them for that. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I mean, and ha-ha on them. But I think of, like, uh, you're talking about the simplicity of the... Uh, I'm thinking phrase. more towards the lyrics. I'm a bit tone deaf, so uh, while earworms do affect me, um, it's not as uh, common as, like, where the lyrics stick in my head. But the music does stick too, and that is important. Right. But, um, well, I was, yeah. you know, I don't think uh, Rocco has released his first opera yet, but he has, he is about ready <laughs> to release a film. A new movie. And we've seen the trailer of it. And I asked, I inquired, hey, can we catch the full movie? And it's not been released yet, right? It's going to be released to some, uh, it's, um, currently doing the festival round. So I did finish editing it. It's already picked up three awards, so I'm quite Yay. pleased with that. Yeah, thank you very much. Um, so it's a 70-minute movie mm-hmm. called The Dinner Party. Um, and basically, the 
I think it was like in January, I said, you know what, what do I want to do next? Because I've done several short films. I was like, do I do another short film? I didn't really feel for it. So like, I'd like to do a feature. But I said, well, how am I going to make it challenging? I said, well, let's try to shoot it in three days. So I started writing the script, knowing that I wanted to shoot it in three days. And so I had six characters, six main characters for it. I have course put ads on Facebook after finished writing I think it took like two weeks to write this script because it's all taking place you know it's a dinner party so you know kitchen dining room um kind of you know scenarios and um got my six main characters and the day before shooting one of them just you know said can do it so I was down to five so now you're just like okay well (laughs) I'm gonna make this work so we had to kind of like juggle it but you know we we still went through with it I had you know one actor who had to drive like five hours to come in, another one, three hours. So um, thanks to the internet, you know, you're able to, um, you know, pick and choose your, your, your actors. And in this particular case, it's a, it's a no budget film. So uh, these people are all volunteering their time. So I have to thank them for that. And uh, yeah, so we uh, shot it in two days, 70 minutes and took me about 10 weeks, I guess, to do all the editing. Cause I did all the editing, the soundtrack, um, you know, everything myself on that. And um, yeah, so now it's just doing the uh, the festival rounds. Okay, so that's like seems like a, it's going to be like a, like a character study. I can I, I like movies like that. It's almost like uh, mm-hmm. Twelve Angry Men, you know, where you, you really have a single shot. Is it going to be kind of like a single shot uh, film, or is it? It's it's not single shot. It's uh, you know, I I try to do. We pretty much went with most of of what we shot. We took the take one. Um, I did allow uh, some improvisation to be put in there, not to mention the fact that we shot it on a Saturday and Sunday, and they were not even aware of how the movie ended. So they they didn't know what act three was. They only had like two thirds of the script. And so on Saturday during lunch break, uh, we read how the movie ends. And that way it kept it fresh in our mind for the following day on the Sunday to shoot the, uh, the third act. So they weren't even they weren't even aware of like what was what was coming next. I thought that was another challenge I decided to put in there as well. Let's see how well we can pull this together when they don't even know how the movie ends. And um yeah, and so it's like it's the story is it was supposed to be six strangers invited to a dinner party. Now it's five strangers invited to a dinner party. And they're just trying to figure out why they're there, what's going on, you know, is it one of them? Is it what's the purpose of them being there? How did you assemble your crew? Are they all volunteers? Yeah, um, the two people that helped me, uh, one is um, uh, Alexander. He's um, He was the DOP. I had helped him on two of his uh, short films. So I just, uh, you know, asked him if he was available. And he goes, well, for features, like, uh, you know, I don't know if I have the time. I'm like, well, we're shooting it over, you know, two maximum three days. <laughs> he said, okay, well, good luck with that. But uh, yeah, I'll help out. And uh, Fred um, helped with sound he'd never done sound before uh, alex had the equipment for it so you know we just we didn't do uh, lapel mic so nobody was mic'd everything was just with um you know a boom mic um over overhead and that's the way we did that so i had two helping me out and um <laughs> yeah and we all shot it at my place in the end made it a lot easier in case you know there was you know we're lacking something or need of something it was going to be easier for me always, to find it and always pick it up later yeah, yeah. Cool. My my youngest son has been doing some uh, like volunteer type uh, production assistant, camera assistant, 
and uh, he was the second AD too on something Very cool. Yeah, it's yeah. he's getting into that. You Thanks. have to make sure we know when the film comes out so we can watch the credits and see his name. Because yeah. oftentimes the right. second AD will be listed. Yeah, he'll he'll be listed in all. I think he's done three or four. They got a. I think my other two sons are going to join next week to learn about some camera stuff. Nice working with Matthew. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and, and cameraman, you know, uh, uh, camera work is you, you you can get work. Yeah. It's not one of those things where you have to audition. So when it comes, mm-hmm. will it be on, uh, available on streaming f- platforms or do you know yet? Uh, um, that's all. I mean, after it does a festival run because, you know, festivals, if the movie is readily available, they're not, most of them are just not interested in having it in their festivals. So I do have it up like on, um, on one of the streaming platforms in private so that, uh, you know, I was able to show it to, you know, the, the crew and, and, and the actors as well as uh, family and friends. Right. But um, yeah, it's, so it's probably going to be a good year before I would put it on, on, uh, on a streaming platform after it's finished doing its, uh, its run. Okay. Well, we'll look forward to that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We were, we looked at your IMDB and it listed a film from 2014, 50 kisses was, yeah. uh, and you were a Coke director on that one. It had a huge cast. It looked uh, interesting. Yeah. It, um, um, 50 Kisses was um, a collaborative. It was supposed to be a competition at the beginning. So it was it was set up by, um, I think his name is Chris Jones. Uh, hopefully I got his name right. I think it's Chris. He had put together a uh, an ad saying, I'm looking for people to uh, write scripts as well as um, direct them. So I actually grabbed an existing script that somebody had uh, put together for that site. It was pretty much two minute uh, or three minute uh, movie. We put the crew together, filmed it, um, sent it in. It was supposed to be a competition, but in the end, they decided, you know what? We're just going to grab everybody's work and put it together as a film. So in it, uh, it won. Uh, well, it won. It, um, it was. Pro- put into the Guinness book of world records for the most uh, writers in, in a single film. Oh. So, so I think there's 51 writers. So we all got our, you know, participation uh, award for, you know, for, for, for that. It did pick up an award as well, I believe in uh, Rhode Island. And um, yeah, so that was, he had done a few things since then. I tried to um, help out on a few of the other ones, but then I got too busy. But uh, yeah, so that's why you're seeing a long list of actors, a long list of production credits on that yeah. particular one. Aaron? That's why it would be huge, yeah. yeah. <laughs> IMDb entry. Okay, now I, I do have a question. Philip and I are kind of a mixed marriage in that he looks at the critics' ratings and I look at the audience ratings. Uh, for whether or not I really want to see a movie. Now, if you've got both, cha-ching. But, uh, but which one do you find more valuable or do you see the merits in both more? It's, that's a very good question. It's depending on the film. Um, you know, if I'm looking at, I mean, I watched a film last night with Sylvester Stallone, so I'm not really going to pay attention to the critics and I, and I know what I'm getting into and I know at the end it's going to be exactly what I expected. So the audience, um, will be probably more in that vein, depending, you know, pardon? 
That was the uh, yeah. Samaritan. Samaritan, I think it is. It's sort of like a superhero movie, but you know, Sylvester Stallone, and so. How was it? Um, I mean, it was what I expected. So, I mean, when I see rave reviews for a movie like that, no, I'm not going to give it a rave review. But uh-huh. it's it's exactly what I expect from a, a Sylvester Stallone movie. So I enjoyed it. I'm not going right. to say I loved it, but you know, I wanted to see it. And and it, it, you know, the, the trailer is obviously better than the movie, which is the case in 90% of of films. They put mm-hmm. the best on uh, into the trailer, and then you watch the movie, and you're like, okay, well, I guess everything was in the trailer. Mm-hmm. Uh, so critics is more depending on the type of movies um, and then there's some movies I don't really care like I mean if it's a Christopher Nolan movie I'm a big Christopher Nolan fan I don't care if the critics loved it I don't care if the audience hated it I really don't care I know I'm going to enjoy it on a technical standpoint I think that um, some movies um, don't do well for me because the director doesn't bring his vision across so you're watching a movie if you walk out of the movie and you're completely unclear what just happened or the Mm -hmm. actors were just horrible that's the director's fault um and you know i watch a christopher nolan movie like for example inception which is a very complicated um you know uh, idea but he put it together in such a way that pretty much everybody who walked that into this movie whether you you know like parallel worlds or dreams and stuff like that whether you have a background or any or, or any knowledge in that type of stuff, it didn't really matter. You walked out understanding the movie. So that for me was like, great job. So it's, so it's hard to say, but I think the majority of the time, I'm kind of iffy because, for example, if I go on Netflix, pretty much every movie has five stars. Like, I, I don't understand how that's possible, right, on, on, the, on the audience. And, and you watch the movie, and it's just horrible. And you're Sounds just like, like executives well, are rating them. Yeah. Uh, one of those things is you look at how many – um how many reviews there were okay and it's like 40 so that's pretty much the cast the director the actors and their family maybe you know what i get disappointed with netflix is the number of great older films that they used to have that have been pushed out by their original programming which some of it is good some of it isn't but then mm-hmm. you know a lot of the a lot of the really good films have been parsed out to uh, Apple, you know, or they, they lose rights to those too. Yeah, yeah. And meanwhile, the prices. Yeah, go but up. we don't necessarily <laughs> uh, have Apple or right. Disney. Right, but That's I mean, saying, Netflix yeah. loses rights to those films. They only have the rights for a set window of time. And then they well, but that's the thing they don't they don't make room to keep them. Well, well they might not. They might not have. The opportunity. Yeah, they might not have the opportunity, and it's also, you know, this generation. I mean, you know, I'm sounding like an old man saying that, but this generation has a short attention span, and uh, they're not going to want to watch a movie from, you know, 2002, 2003. They're going to want to. They want the latest, the latest film, you know, that's that comes out on on Apple and um, you know Prime or or Netflix. But the Criterion channels for. Yeah. Yeah, um, and and we do have most of those platforms actually, because it's still cheaper than it was to have cable. I saw RTB Productions. Is that the production company for the dinner party? Um, that's yeah, because my uh, one of my I have many monikers when it comes to music, mostly because I've been always told by record companies we don't know how to categorize you because. You're you're doing rap, you're doing hip hop, you're doing blues, you're doing rock, you're doing pop. Like we we can't sign you because you're just all over the map. So I said, well, 
now in today's world, I said, you know what, screw that. And I just create different monikers depending on what I'm releasing. RTB was the initials for um, one of my, my I guess was my first moniker, which was Rocco T. Bello. And so I've kept that on for the production company. So it's RTB Productions. Okay. Um, actually, Philip noted those exact things that you do different types of music. Uh, and uh, he noted that your lyrics are often um, somewhat humorous, um, sometimes a little bit deprecating. And he made a comparison to Weird Al. Well, we're comparing everything we, to Weird Al right now because we yeah. saw him. Yeah, we <laughs> but, saw him in concert. Yeah. Um, he was my birthday present because we nice. share a date. Right. And they, they have the same birthday. So hopefully you take that as a compliment because it is. Okay, thank you. And uh, Weird Al is incredible. Um, I think, for example, um, Blur- Blurred Lines comes to mind uh, mm-hmm. where it really shows his um, his ability to come up with great lyrics and right. also, um, you know, his ability to rap, uh, sing. He's, mm-hmm. yeah, he's, he, he really, I, it's unfortunate, I think, that he um, is only known for his parodies because he has written some original tracks. Right. And, you know, you know, and it's, it's unfortunate, but that's the reality of, of life, right? People are going to be more yeah. um, into something that they, they know, which is why, you know, rap does a lot of sampling of other songs so that people, or, you know, choruses of other songs so that people, you know, I mean, if you look at Kid Rock, one of his biggest hits is what, you know, he's got Sweet Home Alabama in there, right? So it's people like familiarity versus um you know something that's totally un- original unfortunately but that's yeah that's my only thing about weird al I wish he would known for some of his purely original tracks i think the tour he's doing now that they just saw he's calling like the incredibly self-indulgent tour or something and he's doing most of the not you know less of the parody stuff and more okay, of cool. his... good is that right, Phil and Lisa? That's that's right and that's that's really where i got the analogy from because his original songs, while they retain a sense of humor, they're entirely, you know, his own lyrics, his own musical score. And, mm-hmm. and so that's what I saw in parallel with some of the, the videos that you did. Um, yeah. there, it's the sense of humor, you know, maybe your, your sense of humor may be a little more, uh, subtle, mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah, I saw some par, you know, some, some complimentary pa- parallels there. So. And and most of his original songs are still parodies. They're just not parodies of other yeah. people's songs. Exactly. And Philip Maybe was satirical. Really, yeah. Yeah. Philip was uh, was not really a big Weird Al fan until after the concert. And since the concert, he's been uh, humming and singing uh, Weird Al songs, and he's been. Uh, listening to the Weird Al music, uh, you know, after a certain point when we go to bed, he'll stay up. I'll go to bed or sleep and he'll stay up and listen to music for a while. And he's been listening to Weird Al in his nightly ro- rotation. Um, right. And uh, and there were a couple songs that he was surprised that were actually originals. And and through the concert, he played all originals until the very end. After the um, uh, the callback, what's that called? The encore came yeah, out and he did a medley. Encore, he did a medley of his popular songs. Right. Well, you know, why don't we consider a break here for our mm-hmm. sponsor? And as we go out, Rocco has said it's okay to play some of his music, so I'd like to play a little bit. 
with one of his more recent songs, which is Out Drinking Whiskey. And when we come back, we'll talk a little bit more about his videos and his music. you do that now i'm out drinking whiskey and i won't be coming home why'd you lie when you told me there was no one but me no one but me why'd you lie when you told me there was no one but me Now I'm out drinking whiskey And I won't be coming home I won't try to pretend that this doesn't hurt me so Cause it hurts me so No, I won't lie And pretend That this doesn't hurt me so Cause it hurts me so Now I'm out drinking whiskey And I won't be coming home You know I love you and I gave you everything And so much more Yeah, so much more All right, that's a nice little guitar solo there. It's um, Kevin Rees. He's um, British but living in Japan, so I've never met him. So he was he's he had put out, I guess, for collaboration, a, a blues song. And, um, I, you know, I, I, I said, I wanted to work on it. And he said, I already have somebody who's working on the lyrics. I said, okay, too bad. You know, I really liked it. And then I think a month after that, he contacted me back saying, I'm not getting anything back from that person. And, um, so we worked on that one, which was, um, uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm having a, a, a blank, uh, um, something about Mississippi, Summer Nights in Mississippi. And that was the name of our, um, our album that we put together. So he did all the music and uh, I did the lyrics and uh, the vocals and it was just pure blues album from a guy in, in Britain, another guy in Canada and, you know, with the title song about Mississippi. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, But I like that. I like that uh, eclectic path that you're on there because that's something that we've explored both in the Ween episode and the, 
Weird out and our our podcast itself is completely eclectic. It's all over the place, you know. It's like so many different topics, different types of guests. We're just so do you find that that's uh with us it's we're doing stuff we like to do. We're not like trying to work a, a single idea or work or, or anything like that. We're just trying to different things that appeal to us personally. Information. Is that kind of the way you are too or yeah, I mean, it's whatever inspires me, right? That's why you're indicating that, for example, there's some humor in a lot of stuff that I've been doing lately. I've been adding humor under the moniker Rocco Polo when I'm doing music. Uh, yeah. Like the last one I think I did was Up Again. I don't know if you saw that one, but uh, it's basically the song yeah. about, you know, leaving the toilet seat up all the time, right? Um, <laughs> so there's I love the, that one. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and that brings us to doing dishes. It's bad yeah. feng shui to leave the toilet seat up, they say. Yeah. Especially when I don't know if you've ever plopped down the extra inch or two and found yourself in the water. <laughs> well, that's I, in the lyrics too, right? That's the, that's one of the yeah. things of you know nearly falling into the into the uh the toilet. Yeah. We just think well, of it as a boudet. It's a boudet, right? No. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody's not. Um, yeah, and then the Doing Dishes music video brings to mind a couple things. Number one, um, I found this book one time called uh, Chick Porn. And what it is, is it's glossy photos of young fit men fully dressed doing chores. So it's like doing dishes, sweeping. I thought it was going to be baby ducks. Huh? I thought it was going to be baby ducks or something. <laughs> No, no, it's, it's, you know, and I mean, they're fully dressed, they're not even shirtless. It's like pornography but for it's, housewives. Yeah, right? it's like. And, There's a bunch and, of guys and, ducking. Honestly, saying. looking through that book, yep. it was a little, it, it did not, it was not uninspiring. Let's put it that way. I, <laughs> I did, you know, and, and then a couple of weeks later, I walked in and Philip does not do the dishes too often. And I was like, mm, baby, because he was doing the dishes. And I was like, yeah, that is kind of hot. <laughs> so the video. So that's one way. Also, um, another thing that I saw that I've seen on like Facebook is, I don't know if this inspired that particular uh, video, but um, there's a trope on Facebook that says women never yell at you when you're doing chores. Well, who did the animation for Up Again? It had some... Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. Some good artwork there. Mm -hmm. Really? That was good artwork. That was uh, me with MS Paint. Oh, yeah. I decided, you know, I go, (laughs) I wanted wanted to do an animation. And uh, I said, you know what? Let's make this as crude as possible. My my kids loved it. They thought it was, uh, you know, so so crude that it works, right? I mean, it's just, that's... Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Very simple, but it's... uh, South Parky, a little South Parky, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you Drives think about things like South Park. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's fairly simple as far as the background goes. Right. You know. Well, let's go ahead and play a little bit of that. And this time, we'll for, give it about. For MS Paint, sounds impressive. Walked in the door and hit my head. Wanted to sleep, but went to the bathroom instead and hit the couch. My girlfriend screamed in vain. Looks like you left the seat up again. Again, another good guitar solo in there. You got some good musicians on yeah. these songs. I like the drums too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
it was a fun song and you know i found that it had a bit of a when i first was putting it together i was like oh, it's kind of got a johnny cash but with a faster beat and then i just said well what am i going to make this song about and then i don't know i start singing and it just comes together and you're just like okay yes, this is about toilet seats <laughs> it seems to me that johnny formed some sort of lyric i can't th- remember which one it was but around the, the toilet there was something there. I can't. Johnny who? Johnny Cash. Oh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But. Uh, well, I think he. There, I think an outhouse is prominent is featured, not prominently. Probably had something to do with praying in, to a porcelain god his, or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Something to that effect. Maybe in one of his deeper cuts. Yeah. I think we've. Well, not everybody, but quite a few of us have done that prayer to the uh, porcelain god. So. <laughs> right. Oh yeah. Right. Um, before I stopped, well, before I was 21, before and I had a flush from the bathroom of your heart. Yeah, that's oh. it. That's it. Okay. I've been flushed down the bathroom of your heart. Yeah, there's you know, there's all kinds of clever lyrics to that one. That's mm-hmm. in the same kind of vein that we're talking about here. Good, humorous uh, singer songwriter. From the back door of your life, you swept me out, dear. <laughs> Now that could also be um uh if a woman wanted to get rid of a man rid of a man in like Appalachia, um there's a certain way you can uh, you sprinkle uh salt with a certain herb and then you sweep, but you have to sweep in a specific direction to keep him from crossing your threshold. Again. Or like putting a white chalk mark on the ground and, and ants won't cross it. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I just usually use Windex. That keeps ants from crossing everything. <laughs> Ever again. But you mentioned that you're very eclectic, so I noticed a rap mm-hmm. a rap uh song called Mama Already Gave You Some. That was that was, yeah, was good. another collab yeah, was another collaboration. Um and you know, I I'm actually working that collaboration that i'll be doing next also has some rap in it i was that's pretty much how i got my start at least in the uh, main studios and with record companies is um i just got i just loved rapping to songs and uh just came naturally to me and therefore i started going on and doing a bunch of um rap parts on different dance tunes um and that was that was that so yeah so i still dabble a bit in 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 rap do you have favorite uh, artists or, uh, you know, I, I, I like, I like the beastie boy. I'm not a big rap fan. You know, you mentioned kid rock earlier. Uh, you know, I like yeah, the I, I wouldn't boy. put him out, out, out up there. I'm not, I'm not familiar with kid rocks uh, material other than that song that I mentioned, which is, uh, you know, pretty much sweet yeah, at home, Alabama. Um, as far as rap, I mean, I like Eminem as, um, lyrical as well as speed he's got uh, an ability to really rap at a very tremendously fast speed but his lyrics are also very uh, impressive uh, pardon uh he has a precision precision yeah. Yeah. yeah and um you know some of the earlier uh, rappers so basically you know the run D- run dmc i listen to a lot of beastie boys as you've mentioned uh there's also um you know, quite a few from back back then. There was, you know, Grandmaster Flash or Grandmaster Melly Mel um, during the breakdancing days that I listened to a, a lot of. And um, Rob Bass, you know, and 
and uh, the Requiem and things like that. So a lot of the earlier earlier stuff, as far as like today, not really. I, there's not too many that impress me. You know, Kendrick Lamar, yes. But uh, I'm not like really, you know, um, something that I listen to on a regular basis. One of my favorite rap acts was, uh, was a Tribe Called Quest. Too. Yep. yep. My daughter has actually surprised me by, you know, I think once we were in the car and we plugged in her phone and uh, came to Tribe Called Quest. And I was like, I'm like, what? <laughs> You're listening to this? And she's like, yep. I'm like, okay. Back in the days when I was a teenager, before I had status and before I had a page, you could find the ad rock. Listening to hip hop, I used to say. And that's one thing I like about the older, the older rap tunes is because the rap is more melodic. You know that yeah. there's a melody to to when they're rapping versus uh, right now it's just um, you know not all of them obviously, but you know a lot of them are just um, just sampling. You know, just, and it's just, but it's it's really talking, right? Yeah. Versus, um, you know, the other ones you would actually be able to dance to it, move to it, you know, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the MC Hammer, you know, type of you know raps where there was actually like a melody behind the the actual um, lyrics, just right. like Aaron was just doing. You can hear like there's there's a there's there's pauses, there's you know there's rhythm rhythm behind the actual like, delivery like of dog's words. delivery too. Yeah. It's got a good look. Well, and like the Beastie Boy, I, I hate to wear it out. It's not like it's the only rap group there is in the world. I bring them up constantly, but it's like the Beastie Boys. One of the things I love about it is that they're musically talented. You know, uh, you think about what what you want. Um, you think about sabotage. You think about um, gratitude. Yeah, yeah. Their instrumentals are. Yeah, and then they did. They actually issued an instrumental album. I can't think of the name of it right now, but. I know they used to do the complete album live without any rapping at all, you know. And uh mm-hmm. so I've always admired them. The thing about Eminem, they got a they got a punk album or two. So. Right. That's right. I I thought Eminem was uh sort of refreshing when he first came out with Slim Shady cuz I thought, "Okay, this guy is not afraid of making fun of himself." You know, he'll lay himself out there. He'll be self-deprecating, you know. But it turns out he had a harder edge. <laughs> he probably had a harder edge than some of uh, the already established rappers at the time. So it, it, mm-hmm. I never really gravitated to some of his older stuff. Although I did like one song he did about the obsessed fan. Mm. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. 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 Stan. Yeah. But yeah. Mm-hmm. So why don't we listen to a little bit of Mama already gave you some to uh, get Rocco's take on the genre. Like a bomb, taking bomb, just asking all the time, mama, 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 come on, give me some. Mama already gave you some. Oh, yes, you take me. Mama already gave you some. Oh, yes, you take me. Mama already gave you some. She gave me some. Thinking that we could talk, but you're stepping back, not able to watch the watch, and not a surprise for me. So one more time, and next time I think I'll let it be. Cause this could be the last time I say this. So be prepared, hit you in the head, or it could miss the target, and that's just fine. I could just erase the words to that line. Yeah, that was that's that's really good. I like the uh it's kind of a throwback. 
you know, it's kind of a throwback to uh, the older style rap and and the visuals in the video has the break dancing. And um, I like the kind of the, uh, the, the slow burn of the rap. It's not like rapid yeah. and violent and thrashing. It's more of a, the baseline is really good. Kind of reminds me of Faith No More and Mr. Bungle as Mike Patton <laughs> projects. Faith No More, yeah. Faith now, no more. Um, yeah. Are, are the lyrics, I mean, where, where did they come from? What's the origin of the lyrics? Well, the person who had done the music, yeah, so it's the thing. The person who wrote the music had the title called Mama Already Gave You Some. And when I first, usually, like, I don't go with the titles if I'm writing lyrics, but for some reason I did. At first, I, um, um, I think it had something to do with rain when I was writing the, the lyrics. And then I said, you know what? I said, I really like that line anyways. The mama already gave you some. And so I decided to, uh, it fit well with the, um, the melody line that I put together as well. So I said, you know what? You know, I'm going uh, to stick uh, with that. What you could do if you, if you need something to go with that is, um, Almost every morning, I have to tell the Philip gets up an hour before me, makes the coffee, and uh, feeds the cats and leaves the house. So just about every morning when I get up an hour later, uh, I have to tell them, Daddy already gave you some. So <laughs> I'm not feeding you again. <laughs> so just a thought. Right. I know that you have a cat, uh, the fabulous Stella. So as we wind down here, why don't we revisit another, uh, I like, I like some of your music, by the way, uh, Rocco, but some, some good stuff. Thank you for Thank allow, you. allowing us to play it. Um, why don't we talk a little bit about the Hobo Sapiens, which is a short that was out there. I think it's from 2018. Uh-huh. Um, enjoyed that. Yeah. So that was based on an article I had read, um, about a guy, I guess, walking into a cop station, he was drunk and he was telling them that uh, he, he was a time traveler and he was able to time travel because aliens, um, you know, basically fill him up with alcohol. And once he's filled with alcohol, he's able to time travel. And I was like on the floor laughing hysterically. So it, so it stuck with me for a while. And then um, Sergio, who's one of the actors in that film, he, you know, he keeps harassing me. When are you going to work on another one? When are you going to work on another one? And it just popped in my head. I said, oh yeah, there's that, that story that I found really hysterical. I go, let's do something with that. So we, um, we came up with um, Hopo Sapiens, just a bunch of uh, homeless people uh, that are basically able to time travel. And it's based on a true story, technically inspired by a true story, which is just, you know, an exaggeration, but it's still a true story. I mean, this guy actually walked into a cop station. So, but that was actually part of the question. I was like, what was the true story? Uh, you know, is it, it a personal story? Were you one of the ones that had the uh, time travel experience, or what? You know, I was kind of curious about that, but you've answered. I keep moving forward in time every second. I'm a time traveler in that sense. Um, the guy, the uh, park employee, was funny. I thought he was very dry, very uh, kind yeah. of man after my own heart in some ways. When I don't catch myself. You know, when I don't try to be a little bit more forgiving of people, he was a little bit like, you know, officious. Yeah. Yeah. When we watched the five second rule, I was laughing. Uh, I, you know, not rolling on the floor or anything, but laughing. And Philip was, um, he was like, ooh, cringing. So, you know, that's kind of, that kind of lists our dynamic in, in quite well. Now, um, the, um, the actress, 
Uh, talking about the five second rule now. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. The actress in the five second rule is that a relative? That's or... uh, my daughter. That's my daughter. Oh, okay. She's yes. adorable. Thank you. And she did a really good job. She was very believable. Yeah. Um, and of course, Stella was featured in that particular video as well, and she did a bang up job. <laughs> She's a huge fan of Stella now. Yeah, right now. We're, we're, huge, we're huge fans of Stella as well. We love her. Mark and yeah. Mark here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so, Aaron, do you have any uh, final mm-hmm. questions? No, I'm, I haven't had a chance to check out your music or your videos yet, but I'm I'm going to today probably. So, cool. looking forward to that. Seems like Phil and Lisa enjoy it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I appreciate that. I'm glad you guys are, are enjoying that. Yeah. yeah. And yeah, it's good to have you. Welcome. Thanks. I do have uh my my last question. Okay, I do have well, we'll skip that question. Um it's basically if you had to choose between film and music, music, which would you find easier to give up? Oof. Um that's a very tough one. It's depending so on my choice. It's depending it's depending on my mood, Nick. They kind of go hand in hand because when I'm doing music, I'm already thinking about the music video because I kind of do both um but i probably um i guess probably film uh be able to give up in the sense that um for me music is life so uh without music there's nothing yeah i i kind of agree yeah it's a back it's the background of your life really yeah it is i mean you can play a song and automatically i mean you're talking about only moving forward aaron but i mean sometimes you'll listen to a song and it'll bring you back to you know to that time and you can actually even almost smell what you were eating or you know the the, that memory just becomes fresh again it's sort of like you just time traveled because of that song you're like really the emotions come back and you're just like oh my god it's like it's like as if it happened yesterday when I play back the Grateful Dead and Fish shows I've been to, it, it is time travel in a way. Yeah, that's it because you're 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 bringing yourself back to that moment, and even the feeling that you're getting is is from that moment too. Like you're just like, and then you're less, you know, you chuckle to yourself, and somebody looks at you and says, "What are you chuckling about?" It's like, oh, you don't understand. You weren't there. <laughs> you weren't there. It's Jerry. Man. Yeah. Isn't it better than the moment even because there's none of the bad. All the bad is. Uh, well. You know, you don't real you don't remember you drove six sometimes, and a half hours in a hot Sometimes car. Jerry forgets the lyrics. <laughs> What'd you say? Some bad, said sometimes Jerry forgets the lyrics. There's some bad in there. <laughs> yeah. You see, it yeah, becomes yeah. a memory, right? It uh, becomes, it is, and it becomes a funny memory. So it does become a funny the, the left-handed guitarist who always changed up the songs. Uh he made his own guitar for being left-handed. Oh. Jimmy Hendrix? Hendrix. Jimmy Hendrix. Oh yeah, a little guy Hendrix. named Hendrix. That yeah. guy. That guy. That guy there. You know, remember that, that guy guitarist. there? Left handed yeah. guy there. So, so you remember I, that guy? I'm a lefty. <laughs> I am left handed. So <laughs> I'm left handed as well. I'm left handed, yeah. and you know they always say when you're left handed, you're in your right mind. So yes, exactly. We're also <laughs> more flexible, more uh, you know, because we have to learn to be flexible in the world because. Nothing is made for us. Yep, you know? I agree. I remember that when I used to just a scoop when I was working in a fast food place, just a scooper for the fries was like I I couldn't use it. Yeah. Right, right, right. <laughs> I was like, what? You Why can't I use that? Out how to do this? Yeah, you know, potato peeler. I mean, the problem. as a baby, I was one of those kids where if you put it in my right hand, I'd be like, uh. 
put in my left hand. Oh, toy. Well, I'm still trying to yeah. pit, learn how to pitch left-handed because it's mm-hmm. faster path to major leagues. <laughs> good, luck <with> yes. <laughs> good luck. Good luck. You can always yeah, set up. Uh, yeah. On your five nine. Jesse Roscoe, John Franco. Yeah. These guys last forever. Yeah. yeah. So he he uh, he also at one point suggested that I uh, learn to pitch and see if we could get me into the major leagues, but um, we found that that was not. Uh, you know, I just like watching I, you pitch. I have, I have serious accuracy issues, <laughs> and my form is ridiculous, which is why he so just wanted to entertain himself. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, okay, so the the last question, my last question, is usually Aaron. Do you have a last question? No, go ahead and ask okay. your um, last my question. last question is usually: Is there anything that you would have liked us to touch on that we did not? Um. Not really. I mean, obviously I have my, well, it's a book I did a couple of years ago, but, um, you know, I'm, I'm working on some other projects oh, definitely there, mentioned that. but, um, yeah. So, I mean, there's the Damu Chronicles emails with the Sumerian God. That one is, um, it's again, a true story, um, happened to somebody I worked with where he was just getting a bunch of emails, um, from a source. It was very interesting. I got involved in it. Um, took several years for me to put the book together just because it was very complex um, uh, material. We never got down to exactly where they were coming from, but it was just uh, a very interesting take on, you know, the origins of man and whatever. I just figured, you know, I'd put it out there and the response has been pretty good on that just because it's, uh, you know, people are like, what emails from a, from a God, it was just ridiculous, you know, but I'm Where's like, that available. Uh, it's available on uh, as ebook as well as physical, mostly through you know Amazon. You can get it also, I guess, on Apple. We get it um, at Barnes and Nobles, pretty much at all the um, the major distributors. Is it under your name? Yeah, it's under Rocco Paulo, and okay. um, which you know, I, I guess at one point people were like, "You really want to put that with your name attached to it?" Because it's very bizarre stuff. And I'm like, you know what? It's, it happened. It's true. I have nothing to hide behind. <laughs> And, uh, you know, it didn't really, like I said, didn't really happen to me. It happened to somebody that I knew. I just was, you know, kind of like a witness to, to the whole, to the whole the thing and uh, the weirdness, but the material was really intriguing and I really enjoyed it. It was very original. So I was just like, whoever's writing this is got some you know, really creative mind, or maybe it's really coming from a source who knows, but I'm like, but still, I was like, really, really cool. So I was like, I, it was stuff that I had never heard before in that for that uh, type of material and subject matter so i was like you know what let me just um you know so i like i said i sat on it for many many years because i wasn't sure how to put it together and then one day i just started typing them in because i had them printed and i couldn't find my original emails so i just started typing them in and as i was typing into my computer it was like it just wrote itself so nice that kind of uh for me i mean um I enjoy science fiction and fantasy. I enjoy weirdness, obviously. And, uh, but it also touches on one of my favorite all time movies, which is 84 Charing Cross Road. So, okay, uh, this is a movie. Up. I don't know that one. Yeah. I don't a know woman searching for rare books and a letter relationship that she develops with a, a rare book finder in England. Wasn't it Anthony and- Hopkins? Um, might have been. I think it was, yeah. Yeah, I mean, who played it, but it, it, it's a book as well as a film. But the movie is just so well done. And all it is, is these two actors 
I mean, there's uh, some other interactions, of course, but in the predominantly, it's these two actors writing letters to each other. And the sad thing is that due to war, um, she is never able to go to England, um, you know, between uh, finances and war and, and other life situations. And she doesn't get to England until after he passes away. So she, even though they developed this intensely intimate letter writing relationship, um, and it's basically the two of them writing their, reading their letters. And then there's like little scenes and it, yeah. it's such a good and moving film. So simple, but so such impact. Spoiler alert. Yeah. I, I, prefer, I prefer weirdness of the Sumerian God to be involved. Myself. Oh, I want it. Yeah, I definitely am going to be reading that book. Is it available on Audible? Do you know? Uh, no, I I, I okay. do eventually want to do it in Audible. I did, um, I did put in a request at one point for one of my other books for getting somebody to read it out. And then I figured, you know what, I think I'll, I'll read them myself. And so mm -hmm. eventually I'll get about around to doing that for uh, the Demo Chronicles. All right, well, well, I mean, I'll probably read it. Uh, uh, it's not a long read yeah, either. I think it's like 88 pages. It's not a, okay. it's not a, a, a huge yeah. book. The thing is with me working full time still and doing the podcast and keeping the house, you know, helping to keep the house clean. Plus your media uh, commitments. Yeah. Well, whatever. Right. But, uh, you know, um, and then I, uh, you know, I, I don't have a lot of time for paper books, I but I listen to books. Uh, while I'm working. Okay. Yeah. Well, real quick, Paolo, uh, your socials. Mm -hmm. uh, social. Mm -hmm. So um, I don't have a web page to myself. So it's basically it's facebook.com forward slash R O C K O P A O L O I, letter um, I on there. So that's pretty much the best place. That's where I have the Rocco Paolo Entertainer because as indicated, I kind of have a difficult time trying to say, well, what do you do? Because uh, I do different things. So I said, you know what? I like to entertain people in whatever form, whether I'm doing my Elvis impersonations or, or uh, you know, writing books or doing music or doing film. So entertainer. Awesome. Yeah, and there's, there's quite a bit on YouTube and the channel there appears to be P-A-O-L-O-I as well. Yeah, exactly. Now, did you add the I because there was another Rocco Paolo out there or? No, um, I, because... The I is is the first letter of my last name, which is a nine letter last name that people always botch up. Um, so I tend not to use it. Uh, mm -hmm. Rocco was my nickname. Paulo is my first name, but uh, everybody called me Rocco. At one point, I I tried to uh, get rid of the Rocco uh, name, and I just went under Paulo I. That didn't really last too long. People were still calling me Rocco and Rocco Rocco. So I said, you know what? And so I'll just have two first names, you know, unlike uh, some some uh, people out there to have, you know, a, a single name. I have uh, two first names. So it's Rocco Paulo. That's what I go by now. Yeah. And in, in my family, I'm, I'm predominantly Lisa, but in my family, um, the name Mittens and Sissy are pretty, you know, pretty well used. Sound like cat names. <laughs> all right rocco it's been fun mm -hmm. it's been fun yeah yep. nice to meet you yep. nice, nice to meet you, guys. you. Yep. you have a good one have a good saturday you too, you right. too. Bye. bye aaron have a good day or weekend bye lisa bye weekend. thanks right. you too rocco see you bye. next episode bye
We have social. Twitter. Yeah. Uh-huh. Pod. Instagram. Yeah. Uh-huh. Pod. Facebook. Yeah. Uh-huh. Pod. Website. www.yeah-uh-huh.com. So let us know. Hit us back. Have a great week. Thank you.